I am Anya Sodart and I am an acupuncturist and a meditation teacher and I'm so excited to be here on the show with you today, Pearl. Hey everybody, it's Pearl and welcome back to another Conversations with Pearl and today is all about that continuing conversation like we do every day around self-care and I have a very special guest coming to us all the way from the UK. So, so excited to have Anya Stoddard with us. She has used her mindfulness meditation to support her mental health throughout her whole journey in setting up and running her acupuncture business. And I love acupuncture business as well as in her personal life. She set up her own acupuncture clinic 14-ish years ago. That is so awesome. Specializing in pain relief. Alongside acupuncture, she also offers lifestyle exercise and mindfulness advice so that her patients can recover quickly and look after themselves better than when they have been discharged. So welcome to the show, Anya. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey. What led you to be doing to do what you're doing today over 14 years ago? So um I decided to become an acupuncturist when I'd had enough of my previous job. And um, it wasn't, it was, yeah, the job was just not giving me any joy anymore. So I decided to have a complete change of what I did. And I went away and trained for a degree in acupuncture. And I had been previously self-employed, well, I don't know, probably 20 odd, no, might even be longer ago than that, as a fitness instructor. And I knew that I really enjoy being self-employed. So I thought acupuncture suits me from that point of view, because that means I've got control over my own life. I don't have to ask permission to do training if I want to do training or if I need time off, I can take it. So it just gave me a lot more control over my everyday. And I get to do the things that I really enjoy, which is helping people feel better. Okay, so everybody's listening. Did you hear what she said? She left something that did not bring her joy. And then how she's doing something that she loves. And it's so, so important to remember that, you guys, is that when we are in something that just doesn't fill our cup or allows us to be that Shiro that we often talk about here on the show, you got to change it up. You got to figure out what is that because you only get one shot at this life. And if you don't go for that, like Anya's done that, you're going to miss out on so, so many things. And now she's doing this beautiful thing that she loves, loves to do. And I just think it's a great reminder for all of us to take that and really listen to that. Let that sink in for a few minutes with you. If you're sitting here listening to the show today, if you're watching this on YouTube and you truly are not feeling like your cup is filled with what you want to do, that's the time to start looking at how do you take those next steps to start doing what you love to do. And Anya, I'm so glad you reminded us of that as well. That's so, so important. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the. I, first of all, I'm a big fan of acupuncture. I love acupuncture. Um, when my older son played football, I used to have him go see an acupuncture pretty much after, almost after every game, if not at least twice a month, he would go in just to get some treatment. So tell us the, what led you to acupuncture and what are some of the, walk us through some of the great benefits for acupuncture. So I've always had an interest in looking after my own health without using medication as much as possible. Um, and so I've always done a lot of exercise and tried to eat healthy um, along that point of view. And in latter years, used the meditation for uh, also that. But I also really quite like this idea of energy in the body and that if you can harmonize the flow of energy, it helps you stay well, both in your body and your mind. And then if you've got that energy resource available to you, if you've got that sense that, you know, if you want to change direction, you've got the capacity to be flexible. You don't have to stay fixed in a lane. Um those were the things that really drew me to acupuncture because I like the idea of all of those things, energy flowing, flowing fluidly throughout your whole body. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in Western medical terms, we're talking, you know, are the hormones working? Is the blood circulating? Are all your nerves and your muscles working well? But that all gets encapsulated in this brilliant idea of chi the flow of energy within acupuncture. So that was one of the things that really, really attracted me to it. The other thing I really like is you get to know people's stories. And um, 
And there's a whole range of different things that you can do. So I specialize in treating with pain, in treating pain. So yes, I might be treating someone's back pain or their migraine or something, but also I'm really interested in what's going on in the rest of their life that is contributing to that particular problem. Now, it may be something very simple. They've had a car accident. That's why their back hurts. But um, often there are other things going on with members of their family or how things are at work that are making them unhappy. Um, That creates stress. That creates muscular tension. That blocks the flow of energy in your body. And so acupuncture is a really good way of just trying to open up the conversation, open up the energy, get things flowing, you know, in a 360 degree way through their life. And you're right, you know, so much, you know, especially I love coaching and working with women on that whole health and wellness piece also in the life coaching that I do. And and we talk about that, like what stress can do on your body and and how, you know, if we don't get that under control or find a way to manage the stress, everything starts affecting, you know, your back, your joints, you know, your eating, your gut, everything can be so affected by it. And and having things like acupuncture, I mean, one of the benefits I found for acupuncture, and this is what I actually got introduced to acupuncture was um, one of my offices I had when I first started my business was in a health and wellness um, practice. They did thermography. They did, um, I did the weight loss part of it. They did uh, massage, but there was an acupuncturist in there and Angie was just amazing. And I remember I had um, vertigo at one point and it was not going away. And she's like, and I had never done acupuncture. Thinking, you know, for those that are sitting there thinking, oh, I don't want to go, those needles in my body. That was my thought process. And Angie's like, no, come, come here. So she had me come in the office and she showed me before I even got on the table, these are what we're, here's what we're going to do. She just kind of did some points on my body. I was like, that's it? She's like, yeah, I'm like, oh my God. So I like literally got on a table and I started, that was my, I would say that's like eight years ago. And I started doing that acupuncture and it helped so much with my vertigo. Um, mm-hmm. I got vertigo f- uh, about a year and a half ago around that time again. And so I went, that was one of the first things I did was I did that, went to my chiropractor, did all those things for that whole health and wellness for my body. But you're right, like the energy and the stress that's, that messes with our energy, you know, can wreak so much havoc on us. And having, you know, having acupuncture, I also like to do, um, oh my gosh, now I'm completely drawing a blank on it, that... Um, there's another thing I love to do. It will come to me. But I love to do those in combination because I feel like it does. It helps me feel so much better. It my energy's better. My even my like my thought process, like the things that are coming to my head. Cause, you know, once we start thinking positively and we can release some of these things, it just makes a world a world of difference for our body. So I just love that. So Anya, what do you say to somebody who's like hasn't done acupuncture before and they're like, I don't, you know, just like me, might've been like me, scared to death of needles. Walk through when you have that client come to visit you, how do you put their mind at ease? Usually it's exploring the issues that are going on with them and they get to know me and they get to trust me. There's not, if I ask someone, do they want to see the needles before I treat them? Usually they say no. Um, So I get people who say, do I need to believe in it? And I'm like, no, belief has got nothing to do with how effective it is. It's a physical effect on your body and it's not created or affected by whether you believe it or not. Um, In fact, non-believers, you know, they often respond probably the best, if you like. Um, So, yes. So it's not about the belief in the actual needles itself. It's um, explaining the process that I'm going to go through. So, Often it'll be, I am going to nourish all of the major organ systems in your body. So um, work behind with your heart, with your lungs, with your liver, with your digestive system. And we're making sure all of those systems are communicating with each other as and working as a team. All of them are pulling their weight. And if there is an area where there's a particular problem, when the needles go in, they are asking for equilibrium. So if there's um, too much, or sorry, if there's too much pain in an area, we're asking for that to be turned off. If there's too much inflammation and it's time for that to get calmed down, let's calm it. If there isn't enough blood flow in an area and the muscles are aching because they've not got enough oxygen or enough glucose, we want to get that blood into that area. So the needles do the work, if you like. They go in, 
whatever equilibrium is needed, let's get this balance going. So that is really what I'm doing with the acupuncture. And that's what I explain to my patients. And so usually they're like, okay, I get it. It's quite straightforward. There's nothing complicated about it. Um, And then I get them lying on the couch and then they go, have you started? And I'm like, yeah, you know, there's half a dozen needles in you already. And they didn't even notice. I'm laughing because that's exactly how I kind of felt. I was like, you know, I was like, oh, they're already there. Like, I didn't even know that they were in me, you know, and uh, it's, and you, you know what, for me, I found it so relaxing. Like it was just so calming. And so it's such a, um, a great, you know, I love to go for a massage. And for me, I almost equate it to a massage. It was just that relaxing for me. And, um, it's something I make sure I do, you know, in my, in my self-care as well as to make sure I continue my acupuncture. And, um, and, there's like you, like you said, there's so many great benefits that that come from acupuncture itself, and um, and you know, no matter if you've never done it before, for those that are listening, or if you want to try it, I, it's definitely something I would say you want to include in part of your in part of your self care. If you know, you know, you get your hair done, you know, once every six weeks or whatever it might be having acupuncture or something like an acupuncture massage can be so rewarding for, for yourself. And so how often would you say Anya, someone should probably consider doing acupuncture? So it slightly depends on what's going on and what you want to use it for. So there are um, ways of doing acupuncture with the change of seasons. So you might do it like four or five times a year to um, just get you in your best state of mind and body to go through the following season. But if there is a particular issue that you need to resolve, so if it's migraine, um, you might need weekly sessions for, I don't know, perhaps three, four, five weeks. And then after that, you may move them out into like two weekly or three weekly sessions. It just sort of depends where the migraine is um, in the whole pattern. But some people do need an ongoing treatment like every five or six weeks. If it's something like sciatic pain or hip pain, then, yeah, it just it takes as long as it takes to solve the problem. So that might be two or three sessions. That might be, you know, five or six sessions. So there's a number of ways you can use acupuncture, and it really depends on what sort of type of practitioner you see um, and how they like to to work with their clients. So because I very much focus on pain, I'm very much into let's solve the problem, let's get you stable. Then if we need to do a maintenance program, we can do that. But also here's some meditation, here's some stretching, here's some relaxation, think about this food, whatever seems to be the appropriate thing for them to go away and you know maintain their wellness for themselves as long as possible. I like them to be empowered. Yes, absolutely. To be empowered to take control of your health and, and wellness is so important. Now, I know one of the things that you shared with us um, in that you, I, you know, with some stuff that you share with us when submitting to join us on the show was that you used it in your personal life, including coping with the death of your dad and, um, and your mom's um, chronic mental health problems and to help improve your relationship um, with with them. Tell us about that. I recently lost my son last July in a um, terrible car accident, and I never thought about acupuncture to work with that. So walk with us. How? What are some of the benefits from that end? So from that point of view, it's looking, it's asking the question, how are you feeling and do how, how is the feeling of grief being processed? Does it feel like you're still in a state of numbness or disbelief about it. Has there been any um, movement towards acceptance and feeling like you, you know, yes, that hole is always going to be there. That person is no longer a live person in your life, but is there a way that you can connect with them? you know, just through your mind on a metaphysical plane, through prayer, through meditation? Are there any ways that you can do that communication? Or, you know, it can be as simple as writing in a journal and writing down the things that you wanted to say to them today that you haven't been able to say to them today. So it's really discussing what they're feeling about the whole process. And if it's having a physical effect on that their body, so Digestive pain would be quite a classic because 
the process of digestion is not just to do with what you're eating. It's also to do with how you're processing your thoughts. So if there are issues around that, we can work with the digestion directly, but also I'm getting them to start thinking and perhaps exploring just in their own mind, if they don't want to do directly with me, how they're feeling about what happened. Is there stuff that's unresolved? And is there a way that we can do something with that? So I did have a lady whose um, son died in similar circumstances to yours, and she was really struggling. And I asked her, did she have a practice like uh, a prayer practice or anything going on? But she didn't. So I was just like, okay, well, that doesn't matter. Just talk to him and say that you miss him and explain to things, you know, the things you wanted him to know that you never got around to telling him. And so I just got her doing that alongside the relaxing, calming effect of acupuncture. And it really helped her take a really big step forward. Um, so, yeah, one of the side effects of acupuncture can be having a good cry afterwards. And I'm like, yeah, go for it. It's exactly what you need. That's such a great reminder, too, because it's interesting. Like, I I remember going through those processes of grief. It's been eight months this month that will be that he passed, which I can't believe it's eight months already. But I remember, like, one of the first things my husband and our other son, Nate, um, who's 23, we all committed to each other was that no matter what our emotions were to let them out in front of us, we did not want, you know, we didn't want our son, Nate, to to think he had to hide his feelings because we wanted us to know that they're going to come in ways for differently for each of us, right? Um, yeah. I know, like with my husband, one of the first signs I got to know that he was missing Matthew, um, who was 25 when he passed was that if I said one day I said to him, I said, so, so what's going on? How are you doing today? And he was like life. And I was like, life, like that's so heavy, just that word. And I'm like, you mean life? Like you're missing Matt. And he's like, yes. I'm like, okay. So that became when he would say that word. That's when I know, okay, he's missing. Cause you know, guys say it differently than us girls. You know, we show our emotions sometimes more than the guys do. Um, so that's how I was able to learn, you know, his his signal, his words of love and, and affirmations around Matthew. But I like to what you said, like we actually have um, I saw this. Um, I don't know if you're on TikTok, but she's called Mama Tot on TikTok. And somebody had mailed her this box that they put by their their son. Their son had passed as well at, at their grave site. And it has a book in there. Some people come visit. They can write notes in there to him. And I just love that. And I tell everybody all the time, I have that there. I write, but you brought up, you know, even doing that here at home, you know, I pray, I talk to him all the time. Um, it was an interesting conversation. My husband, and I like, I'm like, don't you ever talk to Matt? He's like, talk to Matthew. Like, what do you mean? Talk to him. I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, how can I talk to him? If you're I'm like, it's no different than us talking to God. You know, he can hear all of us at one time, but that's a good reminder to, you know, and then, like you said, the crying, like, I, I have no problem. And I've told my friends, if you see me cry, it's okay. Um, I was at a grocery yeah. store one time getting some, some meat from behind the deli and I started crying and the poor guy, he's like, is you okay? And I'm like, no, no, I'm just having a moment, you know, but it's so you're right too. I do remember when I did acupuncture, I had asked her as I started doing more of it, I, I would find sometimes I would cry after she's, and I'm like, is that normal? She's like, those are just emotions that maybe you've kept inside. You haven't talked about it. And you're just kind of letting them out. So I love that you reminded of this, of that same thing as well. I think it's amazing. Now, talk to us. You have um, a program, your six steps to, um, to rewiring your mind. Talk to the viewers and our listeners about what is that? What, tell us a little bit about that. I know it talks about you know, being quick, becoming quicker to laugh and slow the anger, anxiety. How does one do that? So this is about learning to use meditation, not just as something to calm yourself down in the moment, but to use it as a tool for understanding yourself better. And in doing that, transforming how you respond to all the difficult situations that you have in life. So it is a step-by-step -step process of, first of all, learning to relax and calm yourself. So that is something that you know you can do. You can stabilize yourself because you can't stop, you know, life happening. Um, and so things will come and knock you over, but you can stabilize and calm yourself again. And then once you've got that as something that feels uh, you can do in a straightforward way, you can start working on developing your mindfulness 
of what affects you, what triggers you, what makes you angry, what makes you anxious. And once you can start standing back and going, oh, actually, I can see that this is what happens to me, you can start going, well, where does that process start? What are the early warning signs? Is there something I can do about them when they're early? Because at that stage, they're relatively weak and you can probably divert them into something that's going to turn out, you know, making you feel a lot better. Um, And then, of course, yeah, sometimes things happen so quickly, you get to anger, you're right there. There were no early warning signs, but then you can go, well, hang on a minute. I don't need to stay like this. I can step off this um, treadmill that I'm on and I can calm myself down quite quickly if it has already happened without me being able to control it beforehand. So once you've got that better understanding of yourself, what it feels like in those emotions, what starts them off, then you can start looking at other people and how they how they interact with you, particularly if they're people that are difficult in your life, and start to go, well, why are they like that? What is affecting them? Because if they're behaving like I sometimes behave, then what are their triggers? And if I can understand them better, if I can try and stand in their skin, in their shoes, look out through whether their eyes, whatever the terminology is that you like to use, then you can be more empathetic, you can be kinder, you can be more compassionate. And then immediately that radiates right back to you in a really positive way. And then that means that hopefully you can get along a lot better But if it's someone who's got a long term problem, so my mum had chronic mental health problems, I really struggled to stay patient and kind with her for a lot of years. But I found a way through it and um, and it really worked brilliantly. One of my my mum died last month. One of the things that I've been working on in this last year, she had dementia. So she, you know, obviously struggling to communicate and understand a lot of things. But one of the things I wanted her to know was I wanted to know that she was loved because she had a tough childhood. She rejected the whole idea of love in any obvious way. And that was because she was scared of it. Um, She was vulnerable around it and she had her suit of armor on to protect herself. So in the last year, whenever I saw her, I was trying to act in a physical way with love. So, you know, touching her with love giving her a kiss goodbye, which was something we never did in our family. Um, uh, So not actually saying it because I don't, the saying wouldn't have worked, but the expressing would work. And then when we knew it was her last hours, um, well, not, that's not true. Actually, even before that time, I would start my meditation every single day with, I love you, mum, and sending that vibe out so that um, I hope that she received it. And then, you know, in her last hours, that was just continuously sending that to try and make that moment of passing as easy, as smooth as possible as it can be, because you're going into the unknown on your own. Well, that's a beautiful explanation of that. And I'm sorry about your mom's passing. It's, I, you know, it's so hard when we lose our loved ones, and you know, my son and your mom. And, but you know, it's how you did that. And I want everybody to, to remind you to, to hear what that Anya shared is like, she created that, that outpouring of love, even through her own meditation. And, and I think that's so powerful. And my son, Matthew and I, we were very connected around meditation. I didn't know how to meditate up until probably it'll be, I think three years ago, this past January that I really started to, or two years that I really started to meditate. And um, a friend of mine, she's in Canada. She has this 30-day learn to meditate course. And I decided I need to take this course because I got to figure this out. And the really cool thing about what she teaches you is how to meditate just in the quiet of your mind, which for me, I was always so, so busy to think I got to stop and listen to the quietness of my mind. It's like that kind of freaked me out. But it was the most amazing thing in the world because I realized I didn't need music. I didn't need to talk to anybody that I could quiet my breathing. I could quiet my stress. I could quiet all the anxiety or things in my life that were felt like might've been in a whirlwind at that moment. Like you said, I could get off that treadmill and be like, I've got this. I know how to ground myself. I know how to like recenter myself for my day, for my hour, for my minute, whatever that was. And, um, and that's carried me through so many things. But 
one of the things I always love when um, I love to share about when I started meditating is she, she did a meditation with me. Um, I think it was around joy or something. I can't remember exactly what it was and um, what she called it, but um, I had the best in-laws, my mother and father-in-law, they were amazing people to me. They were like those parents I never had. I had, my parents are both alive, but they both have challenges in themselves. They both did not know how to have relationships. Um, you know, I grew up with my parents had an argument. They just didn't talk for a week or two. And then all of a sudden everything was fine. You know, so communication was not anything. I, from 14 years old, I pretty much took care of myself and moved out at 17. So when I met my husband at 19, like these two people just were such a huge impact in my life. So my, my father-in-law passed first, um, 20, almost 26 years ago. So almost like three months to the day that my son was born. Um, so I always tell everybody that my father-in-law sent Matt to us because we tried for 10 years to have a family and we adopted Matt, um, in August of 97. So, um, then when my mother-in-law passed, it was pretty quick, It kind of quick. It was long. She was supposed to come home, but she passed um, pretty quick. And so I remember I was doing this meditation, um, and my mother-in-law's sister, who was my favorite, one of my favorite aunts out of my um, husband's aunts, she passed almost to the nine months that they were born. My mother-in-law, my aunt Olga and uncle Rob were all born like so many, like those nine months, 10 months apart from each other. Right. And they died pretty much the same way, which was so interesting. And I remember um, my son used to tell me when we lived at our old house, mom, I see Mimi around all the time. I'm like, you do? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, that's so cool. I'm like, just tell her I love her. I, I had never, when she passed, never had that interaction. And I, you know, when a couple of other people were really close to me, I remember them when they came to me after they passed. But so we were doing this meditation and, um, and for whatever reason, I didn't do it in my normal room. I decided to go downstairs to my bedroom to do it. And, and my husband, it was, it was just him and I that, that live at home now. And when I came out, he's like, what were you doing in there? Like, I heard you laughing. I thought you're supposed to be quiet during meditation. And I was telling him a story that while I was meditating, like my mother-in-law came to me in the middle of my meditation and it was so amazing. And I said, and then your aunt came to me and she's like, I'm okay. We're all together. And I said, then Uncle Rob, so Uncle Rob can never say the word ridiculous. He would say ridiculous, right? And so, and I said to him, I go, the funny thing that I was laughing about, even my my friend who was teaching me meditation, so she stays with you on Zoom and watches you meditate to help you walk through it, right? She said, you were laughing, you were crying, you were laughing, because it was the best meditation to watch ever. And she says, well, you were really laughing hard at one point. I said, yeah, that's because Uncle Rob came in. He was like, this is ridiculous. Don't you see me here? <laughs> It's like, you know, so it was so powerful and it was so powerful that I remember when my son passed and I share the story because I want everybody to know that sometimes we can take a step back from meditation if we feel like we have to. So when my son passed, I didn't want to meditate because I was so afraid that he was going to come into my meditation and I might not have been ready for it. Right. And my friend reminded me, Sharon, she reminded me, she's so dear. She's like, Pearl you have learned the art of meditation that even if he came, you would be prepared for it. So you're good to meditate. And so I, I love that you share that story with your mom, like setting that up, because I remember when my mother-in-law did pass, like setting up and telling her, we love you, you know, and, and that's powerful for the listeners too, to know that no matter what you're doing, even if you're in a relationship, like, you know, I, like right now, my parents, and we don't really have I have boundaries around them, basically. I have strict boundaries around how I will be treated. And so our relationship is not what I would, as a traditional parent relationship is, but I still send love out. I still send that love out to them that I want them to be safe. I want them to be healthy. I still send that out. So for the listeners, even though you have boundaries around relationships, no matter who it is, you can still send love out to them. You can still send that energy out to them and they're going to receive it in the way they can receive it, but you can do that and give yourself that, you know, that, that peace, because like Anya said, you can't stop life. You can't stop the things that happen in our life, but we can control how we respond to them. And I love that you share that Anya as well. Yeah, it's fantastic that you can actually do that, that whole, in my meditation course, I talk about it as stepping back onto the mountain so that uh, rather than being sort of stuck in the deep of everything, you can stand back and then you can see the bigger picture. So if you can see, you know, the beginning, the middle and the end of why something has happened, 
then you can go, well, actually, and now I can see that there's a way to negotiate through it. So you don't have to keep repeating the same things that cause you trouble, cause you grief every time. So, yeah, having boundaries, sometimes that is absolutely necessary. Um, With my mum, I had to support her emotionally from quite a young age. After she had my sister, she felt quite suicidal, had really bad postnatal depression. So I didn't feel like I I did have boundaries because I was trying to escape from her when I was in my teenagers and sort of early 20s. But by the time I got to my 40s, I'm like, you can't keep on like trying to run away or feeling angry every time you speak to her. You've got to try and resolve this because my dad was getting older. I needed to spend time with him, but I couldn't spend time with him without spending time with her. So it was about trying to resolve that whole relationship with the two of them. Um, but particularly trying to get round my anger with mum and how she was. And, you know, when I look back at it, you know, in a way I was lucky she didn't get to the stage where she really did commit suicide because that can have a, such a profound effect on everybody that's left behind. Um, so, you know, she had the strength to carry through that. And when uh, when she was talking about, about doing that, I was about 10 years old. So I would say to her every morning before I went to school, I'll see you tonight. And every night before I went to bed, I would say, I'll see you in the morning. So without me knowing it, obviously at that age, that was a mantra that I was giving her that I hoped would sink in and keep her safe. That's so beautiful. What a beautiful thing. You know, at 10 years old, so young to, you know, to worry about our our parent, our loved one like that. And at a young age, like, you know, and you're an example. That example is what I say all the time on the show about we come into this world and there is a DNA that's already been set up, whether it's, you know, what whoever you believe in. For me, it's God, but whatever higher being you believe in, like they've already, you know, sewn into your DNA what that talent is you're going to put out. And at a young age, at 10 years old, you were already doing the things that led you to do what you're doing today, right? And and yeah. so we have to tap into and to listen to that for our well-being. So like Anya shared, she did it for that 10-year-old child when she was just a little a little girl and knowing that those mantras are so powerful, right? And then now here, here you are today, Anya, and you're doing this acupuncture and teaching meditation and teaching teaching your clients and us like how it can be such a uh, a good thing to do for our mental health and our mental well-being and you know it can be so powerful and and you know often like i say when my son passed unfortunately he had a you know i couldn't get in his phone i couldn't get a hold of everybody that would be in his telephone to be like hey you know this is his service and everything and um we had two young men who came to our doorstep about with about a week of each other, about two weeks after my son passed. And we had to give the news to them that they had, he had passed. And one of the things they said is I was going to, I wish I would have called like these, these things that they said about, you know, we had a little falling out. I was trying to come by sooner, you know, all those things that they said. And, and I reminded me that, you know, you never know what somebody's going through. So always share like you said, even if it's a mantra, but I'll see you in the morning. You know, if you know somebody that's struggling, something simple of, of an affirmation of love can be such a powerful, powerful change in somebody's well-being. And so I, I, I think it's a great example to remind everybody that what Anya did as a little girl, she did that even paying it out for her mom, but she was also giving that little girl, that 10-year-old Anya, some peace. And then now here we are in this world, Anya's doing the next thing that I say all the time is, once you've learned that talent for yourself, you have to pay it forward to others. You need to put it out to the world so others can receive it because you really don't know whose life you're going to change when you when you take that talent like Anya does with with what she's doing with acupuncture and meditation classes and teaching and training on, you know, how our mental well-being can be and how these things like acupuncture and yoga and all these meditations can really help us you know, with the energy in our body and to help us deal with stress. Cause like she said, you know, again, I'm going to repeat what she said before. We can't stop life. Life is going to happen. My gosh, if I could have stopped life, trust me, I would have, Anya would have not had her mom get dementia, would have not had her mom have those thoughts. I would have had my son here today, but it's life. So how we walk through it. So Anya, I, I just want to thank you for what you're doing. And I want to say, 
you know, I think it's so powerful that you change this in the world. So what would you say to somebody who's listening to us saying, oh, that's all great, but I'm scared to death of meditation. I'm scared to death of taking some quiet time. I don't have time. Like they're judging themselves to make that time for self-care. What would you say to that person? Yeah, it's, um, I think the thing is, is if you look after yourself, you can look after everybody else really, really well. So often the reason people don't take time is because they feel that they've, they've got a lot of other people to look after. Um, but if you don't look after yourself, who looks after them? So you need to have that time and energy for yourself. Otherwise, you just run dry and you don't have the capacity to, you know, grown up children that have got married, you think, and left home and then they separate and they need a big amount of emotional support at that time or um, you know, a daughter has a stillborn baby. She needs a huge amount of uh, support at that time. So it's having you need resources yourself to look after yourself so you can look after the other people you want to look after. So that is that's the reason why it's important to do it. And then the other way, the way I try to get people to think about meditation is it's not an extra thing you have to do. It is, it's a multiplicity of really good things all happening at once. So it's you taking time out. It's you relaxing. It's you taking time to breathe. It's rebuilding your energy. It's giving you some clear head space, which means things that have been problems and you can't work out how to do them. Suddenly those answers will be there. So there's a lot of positives around just spending that time. And it doesn't have to be long. I started with 15 minutes um, and I think 15 minutes is just like a nice amount of time because it gives you time to unwind, gives you time to settle, rebuild a bit of energy. Then you can go forward and do the rest of the things that need doing. I mean, I love to do a half hour, 40 minute meditation now because I really, really love doing it. But you don't have to do a long one. You can do a short one. And it's it's all the things that are valuable in it. That's why it's worth doing because it's not just sitting doing nothing. It's such a great reminder that, yeah, you can do that allows you to do multiple things at one time. I think that's such a great reminder. And for those that are listening, um, if you've been here a while, you know, she just described what I talk about is that Shiro. You know, we have we have this um, amazing community on you. Uh, I call it the Shiro League. Um, we have a four month program called the Shiro Method, and it's our roadmap to creating that peace, that anxiety of of having time for your self-care of finding that strength to put your self-care. And so the Shiro doesn't mean you're just a female hero. It has meaning to it. So the S means you're strong because once you find that strength to say, I need to do just like Anya said, I need to do something for myself. I've got to put my cape on so tight that I can button it in the back, but have a little extra to bring some love to those that I love that my job, whatever that is in your life, you can better take care of them. And then I feel like as you become stronger in that and stronger in your belief that you'd have to come first, then you become this more happier individual and, and that H is happiness. And, you know, it's like you start feeling like these little, you know, tinglings of happiness. You're like, what was that? I forgot how that felt. Right. And then as you do that, you become empowered, you become empowered to maybe go after that dream you kind of put in the shelf because you thought you had to raise your kids first. or you thought you had to do your job first. or you thought you had to wait till you retired. You know, no, you can do all of that now. You don't have to wait. And then that R is radiant. Like there's this new glow up about yourself. Like people are looking at you going, Anya, what are you doing differently? Like you, did you cut your hair? Did you lose some weight? Did you go get some Botox done? Like they're looking at you like you've got this whole new energy about yourself. And then that O comes the original, which we talked about a few minutes ago about in that DNA, that original self is there, but now it's really spewing out to the world and you're helping and you're empowering other people to be in your circle of what you're what you're feeling and what you're changing in your life. And so that's what we call a Shiro Anya. So um, thinking about that, one of the things that we do within a Shiro League right now, we meet every Sunday evening. So those that are listening, every Sunday evening from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern time, um, we get together on Zoom. You can wear makeup, no makeup, PJs, whatever. It's all laid back. Have a glass of wine with us. We don't care. 
But we get together and we work on things that bring us joy. We work on things that are causing us challenges in our life. We work on setting up goals and boundaries and things like that. that Everything we've been talking about today and everything you described a few minutes ago. So one of the things I'm working on right now, Anya, is what brings them joy? And it's not just, and for those that are listening, they know that it's not just about getting up in the morning and putting your feet in the ground. Absolutely. That brings me joy that I can open my eyes again. And I'm thankful for that. But why really am I thankful for it? Like, what does opening my eyes every day do for me? You know, for me, it lets me see the opportunities that I didn't take advantage of yesterday that I can start to do today. You know, so I, they had to do 10 things, Anya. I would love to ask you if you can share with our audience, what are your top three things that bring you joy and why do they bring you joy? So my top things that bring me joy is my meditation practice because I combine um, yoga and Pilates. So I do a movement, mindful movement sequence in it. I do a little bit of reading of, um, should we say, spiritually inspiring material, um, which always gives me food for thought. And then I also spend time within my meditation, just being that stillness um, and practicing stillness. So that whole practice, I love it. The other thing I really love doing is getting out for a walk, being in green space, being in nature. That is just such an important thing for my mental health. I've been through when I was first self-employed, you feel like you've always got to be busy and trying to find clients and earning money. And I wouldn't allow myself any time off. And I just felt really burnt out with it. So I was like, you need this. You need this time out just walk. You can relax your shoulders properly when you're out for a walk. You can look around. You can listen to the birds. It's a great way of getting your mind out of all the other things that you might be thinking of. Um, The other thing I really love to do is sitting down and read a good book. So it's nothing like curling up in an armchair and getting stuck into another world. Those are three amazing ones. Like, of course, I love my meditation. And and I try to meditate not once, but twice a day. I really try to do that. And if nothing else, in the middle of the day, I try to take time out to like do a breathing exercise just to kind of like recenter myself. You know, my husband will laugh. Sometimes I'll even take like a 15 minute cat nap. He's like, how can you sleep for 15 minutes a day? I'm like, I don't know. I just do it. It's like my body is used to that. It's It's programmed to this is our quiet time right now just to relax and breathe. And I love that. And I love being out in nature. Um, we moved where we are today about two years ago. We downsized. We had like almost two acres, two acres of land. We've got like 14 feet between us and our neighbor. But we're in a community where everybody walks. In fact, this morning I went in, went to go for an appointment and I rode my bike to the appointment because it's right in the front of the neighborhood. You know, I just love if I can do a meeting with somebody, I'm like, hey, can we meet here? And then I can ride my bike to go meet them. So I, I love that. But reading too. So what are you reading now? Um, what am I reading now? Good question. What have I just read? Um, I, I've, I really like fantasy fiction novels. So I've just read a book called The Left-Handed Booksellers of London. So this by a guy called Garth Nix. Um, so he's quite into like magic and having powers and things like that. Um, and this book... There was lots of things that appealed to me about it because there were the booksellers involved. And that's sort of quite a quirky left field way of looking at things. But at the back of the book, he explains how he got the idea. And he was at a um, a book signing up in Leith in Scotland. And the guys that were um, running the bookshop that day, you know, were saying, funnily, and it was just, you know, completely conversational. Funnily enough, all the booksellers, um, all the people on, who are working in this bookshop today are all left-handed. So that gave him the idea for the book, left-handed booksellers. So yeah, it's a really good adventure story. Um, there is a good hero. There is a good female hero. They both get to solve the problems. So yeah, anything like that, I really enjoy. That's a great example to think outside the box of something you want to do. Like that is such a fun example. I Right now I'm reading what's called The Smile Method. It's by Seth Elliott. Um, and so it's all about, you know, it's a walking through grief. It's a great book on you. So you should check it out as well. But I looked at it in different ways too, not just for the grief walk that I've been doing with my son, but I actually, there's different ways in your life. So even if you haven't lost anybody, um, it's another way of, you know, looking at your your life in general, you know, it's got some great, great pieces of information in there. So I love, those are great. That's a great fun book. I'm gonna have to look that one up. So I love, love, love that. So now 
one of the things that they have to do too, because we have our joy, right? We love to meditate. We love to read, go out for walks in nature. I have a front porch swing that I tell everybody, if you're listening and you live in the Riverview area, I have a swing. It's a twin bed. You can come sit there. I don't have to be home. So sometimes I'll be out there or there's a school right across the street. I've had a few moms sit in the swing as well, by the way, for the kids across the street. But one of the things that um, I love to do is with them is to talk about the not to do list. You know, we create our grocery list. We forget our honeydew list are all these lists we create in our world, but we forget to create that, that not to do list, those things on our, in our world that we do every day that keeps us from finding and time to do the things that bring us joy, stops us from meditating, stops us from reading, stops us from getting outside. So Anya, if you had to think of something on your not to do list, what would, what would three of those things be on your list? that you would have to stop doing and why? Um, it would be stopping to stop. Yeah. Don't carry on looking at emails. You can switch off from those. Don't carry on looking at social media, go and do some yoga instead. Um, yeah. Don't bother watching any telly, sit down and get your coloring books out and do something with, uh, you know, some wacky colored pencils. So just completely something different. Yeah. Cause if there's nothing particularly interesting or entertaining on telly, why just stare at it? Do something else, something creative. I mean, I'm not a particularly creative person. I can't make things, but I can color in. <laughs> That's cool. Mine are, you know, get rid of the shoulds. You know, I should have done this. I should do that. Um, definitely social media is one of mine. I'm really proud to say that I found this platform that I can schedule a lot of my social media stuff out. So it helps me to do that as well and keeps me focused on, on that. Um, and then my other one is, you know, don't get so bogged down on worrying about what's to happen, right? Like, don't let me get freaked out about, I can't control what's going to happen. I mean, literally, I was talking to my son 20 minutes before he passed, was able to tell him I loved him and, you know, and God took him home. So that's, I, I had that blessing. And so the other thing is, don't ever miss the opportunity to tell somebody you love them either. So that's, that's really powerful. I, I want to thank you for sharing those with us. So thinking about, Ashir, it's thinking about, everything you're doing. What do you have upcoming, Anya? And um, I try to remember, did you have anything you want to share with the audience that they might be any kind of freebie? Yeah. So if you wanted to try out a meditation, I've got a free meditation called Nine Breaths on my website, um, which you can download. So it's a video meditation. And the nine breaths is a really nice one to start with because it involves movement, it involves breathing, it involves awareness of body sensation. So if you're a beginner to meditation and your brain's usually going la 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 and lots of busyness, it's got things to do to keep it occupied that will just calm it down into its calm space, which is one of the lovely things about that meditation. Um, there's a PDF on the website as well. So if you want to know how meditation can help with anxiety and depression, that is up on the website. And then in, in a few weeks time, I'm going to have how meditation helps with grief. And there'll be the grief practice I did with my dad. Um, people will be able to download that as well. All right, so we're going to make sure everybody can access those when we, we download everything so we will have access to all that information. I think that's um, all great opportunities to take advantage of if, you're, if you are listening or watching us on YouTube. And if you are watching us on YouTube, I'm going to encourage you to subscribe to our channel and also share and like everything out and um, go follow Anya and click on the links as well. We're going to make sure those are all out there. So Anya, I forgot, ladies and gentlemen, to give her a warning, but we have these amazing cards are called Better Questions, Better Life that we, um, a friend of mine, Carol um, Gill and Diane Allen, they both have been on the show before. They created 77 cards of questions to make you think make you meditate, make maybe journal over. Um, these are great cards. Anybody can get them. Um, I get, I'm not, I don't get affiliate kickback. I don't make anything on these cards. I just love these cards. Um, you can get them at betterquestionsbetterlife.com. But I'm going to shuffle them on you. And I'm going to ask you, tell me when to stop. And I'm going to read a card to you and we're going to answer it together. Okay. So here okay. we go. Tell me when to stop. Okay. Stop. Oh, she got higher in the deck. All right. What habit has most improved your life? I think the meditation has most improved my life because I've used it not only in relationships, but I also I get a lot of irritable bowel syndrome, which ties back into being angry with mum and stuff like that. 
So I find that I have to be very mindful of how quickly and how much I eat at any particular one time. So it's so it's helped. The meditation helps calm me down. It gives me the flexibility to deal with difficult situations, but it's also uh, like immediately helpful. Like it's six o'clock in the evening. Don't eat anything else because, you know, it's going to affect your sleep. Um, and if it's a meal later on, uh, earlier on in the day, slow down and chew it properly. So it's just that mindfulness aspect of in there. So yeah, meditation covers loads on that one. That's a great habit. I love that. But that's such a great mind. It's also a great reminder too, like being mindful of your body and how you respond to how you eat and, and things around you as for sure. I love that that definition and explanation. And so for me, the habit I think that's most changed my life is to create boundaries, like to make sure that I continue to look at the boundaries I have that to understand that those boundaries can really affect my stress and my happiness in my life. And so, you know, I have boundaries around friendships. I have boundaries around how I will work with clients, you know, and, and those kind of things. And I have boundaries, you know, I never, I used to have boundaries. So they have really over the last 10 years been a, a, a critical difference in my well-being. So I love that that you shared that as well. So um, I want to thank you so much, Anya, for coming and joining us on the show today. It's been so, so much fun. And for the listeners, just remember that you can um, click on all the links. We're going to put them in the show notes so you can um, get in touch with Anya. Take advantage of her meditation opportunity. I think it's gonna, it would be a powerful difference in your life. You might even find that you need to do it a little bit more with her. So I hope that you do and take advantage of that. And I want to remind you, you know, we, we talked about the Shiro League here today. Um, if you want to come visit, we love to have you come visit. It's totally free to come visit once or twice with us. And all you have to do is email hello at wsliving.com. That's hello at wsliving, S-L-I, I'm sorry, S-L-I-V-I-N-G.com and just put Shiro in the notes and we'll make sure you get everything that you need. And if you want, just don't forget that as you come into this world, you are this oyster. You're a little rough on the outside, but on the inside, as you work on what's happening through meditation, through creating boundaries, as we've been talking today, inside you'll find this beautiful pearl. And I want to remind each and every one of you, you have your own pearl inside and it's your job to work on it. So I hope you have a great day and I hope you enjoyed hanging out with us today. <laughs>